0: Hi, this is Zach Martinucci, and you're listening to Against the Grain. We've talked about going to Italy and baking school and persona loaves and moving to Denver, and I often wonder where this whole story really began. I think it might be much earlier than I had originally thought. We'll talk about that, plus the first gnocchi class. A few weeks ago, when I told you about the Persona Loaves, flavored sourdough based off my friends' personalities, I said that I don't think I started baking for the baking of it, but rather as a new medium for storytelling. There are threads that run throughout my life, be they conversations I have over the course of months, or connections throughout a community where I meet one person who leads to another to another, or ideas that shape my perspective over time. I guess you could say they're the themes in my life, with some kind of progression. And storytelling is, of course, one of these threads. How to best, most thoughtfully, and articulately tell a story has always been a part of what I do and what I think about. Storytelling is just one thread. Another would be my fascination with identity, with who we are, what shapes our identity, and how we express that. Let's go back a little bit, because this started long before Rebel Bread. Here's a key example. A few years back, I took a class called Imaginary Italy, exploring how, kind of like Hollywood, all the representations of Italy in film, literature, popular culture, often create this larger-than-life version of Italian culture that can't really exist. We read excerpts of the book Invisible Cities in our psychogeography lesson, how human experience shapes our perspectives of place. Invisible Cities is a postmodern Italian classic by Italo Calvino, Italy's most translated author. And there's not really a plot, but in the book, Marco Polo is telling Kublai Khan, Emperor of China, about all the cities in his empire. But he doesn't always describe what they look like, so much as how you feel or what you experience by going to them. There are 55 cities, each an imaginary place given an Italian woman's name. Zaira, the city whose history is not written down but etched into the markings on the lampposts and buildings and benches like the lines on a hand. Zirma, a city who repeats itself in your mind so that it can begin to exist. And they go on. These aren't real places, but they, of course, are themes that exist in real life. One of the threads in my life is an interest in design, and so I started drawing their logos, trying to imagine what the logo for the city of Zirma would look like if it were a real place. And then when I went to Italy for my first exchange trip, I used the hashtag InvisibleCitiesTour and looked for these imaginary cities in the real people and places of my travels. It's still on Instagram if you want to take a look. Now, I read and reread this book. It lived in my backpack for probably two years, and I would consult it to find parallels to and ask questions about my life experiences. I also brought this hobby to people. I've always loved a good personality test, uh, a Myers-Briggs, a disc, and most recently, I love facilitating True Colors sessions. I love colors because it doesn't try to define who you are, but rather, how you show up in the world. I think that's an important question in my identity thread. About five years ago, I designed a logo for myself, and then a while later, I started doing it for friends, just for fun, in the notebook that lived in my backpack. Like the Invisible Cities, I wanted to know, what does Caitlyn look like as a logo, an image? How can we capture her personality in a brand? First, we start by asking, How does Caitlyn show up in the world? Classy, sophisticated, smart, with this sultry badass vibe and a real determination to express the things she cares about. If you listen to the fifth episode, How to Make a Persona Loaf, then you might recognize that this sounds a lot like how I craft a personalized loaf of bread, and for Caitlyn it was bad and bougie. That's because I've been crafting different versions of persona loaves, asking how do things show up in the world for a long time. Five years ago, I would have been concerned with typeface choices and colors and spacing on a really rudimentary graphic design level. And now, the same process with nuts and dried fruit and grains in bread dough. It's all the same story. I'll say it again, it's all the same story, and there are two parts to it, two threads. One is finding the essence of the story, what's behind the person, the invisible city. And second, figuring out the structure to best tell that story, the YouTube video, the blog post, the podcast, the loaf of bread. Now bear with me because we're going to take this one step further. There's a Jewish teaching I love that helped me make sense of all this that talks of the importance of practicing both keva and kavanah. Traditionally, this is meant to advise how you approach prayer. Keva is structure. It's the routine, the motions you take in ritual prayer, or anything really, that provides a clear and often consistent approach. Kavana is intention or essence, the thought and purpose and content put into the prayer or, again, really any activity you're doing. It doesn't mean much to just go through the motions without any intention, and it also isn't very effective to have the right intention or maybe a story to tell but no clear way to express it. I try to approach things with equal parts keva and kavana in mind, and I think that leads to better stories. When I first heard this, I realized that Cava and Kavanaugh, or structure and intention, are two of the most prominent threads that have run throughout my life, and probably in a way for all of us. As a culinary anthropologist, it was exploring Italian identity through food, which required an understanding of the intention and essence in people's stories, and then the structure to best tell those stories as a thesis, a presentation, or a peer, what have you. For Persona Loaves and Personality Tests, that was always about figuring out how people show up in the world and how to express that. In high school, I loved the public artist Candy Chang's Before I Die project, and I turned a hallway bulletin board into a chalkboard that read, in my lifetime, I want to... Dot, 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 and left chalk and blank spaces for people to respond. I wanted to know the essence behind my classmates' visions and dreams and passions, and needed a clear, simple medium with which they could interact a Phil and the Blake chalkboard. Most recently, a community bakery and bread school. Rebel Bread is part storytelling, content, intention, being behind all that we do, and part structure, how to express those passions and messages through loaves of bread and thoughtful cooking classes. It's all the same story. Everyone has threads in their life, and they're not all unique, but the way you bring them together is, I think, what makes you, you. I think all of the threads that make up my life, identity, design, community, bread, Italy, and so on, are all being woven together into the fabric of rebel bread. How's that for a metaphor? It shouldn't be a surprise that bread is just the most recent version of all of this, and I don't think it's going anywhere anytime soon. All right, I want to tell you about this cooking class. I hosted my dress rehearsal of Make Gnocchi Like an Italian Grandmother, and I'm really happy with how it went. As with everything else I do for the first time, I was super nervous and spent all day going through the class in my mind and making lists over lists to make sure I didn't forget anything important. And while I wish I could have stressed a little less about it, I guess all the attention worked because I didn't forget anything, and I had planned pretty well to teach a class in this unknown space. My students or friends walked into accordion music and a cheese plate. Well, I was still setting up, to be honest, so I'm not sure how welcoming it felt, but cheese and music was the plan. And then we all sat around our workbench. I talked for a few minutes about what we'd be making tonight and my background in food and culture, a lot of the background I've told you over the last few weeks. And then my thesis for the class, the thing I argue by telling stories and cooking pasta. And for this class, it's that gnocchi are an easy, impressive, and inexpensive meal to make at home, even on a weeknight, and that last part is key because I reached out to my network of Italian grandmothers beforehand to get an idea of their relationship with gnocchi, and they said that it was both a favorite dish for special occasions like Sunday family lunch, as well as just everyday weeknight dinners. One grandmother, Alessandra, mentioned that she loves celebrating Giova di Gnocchi, or Gnocchi Thursday, which turns out is kind of like the Italian version of Taco Tuesday, a weekly excuse to make some gnocchi. We made dough balls and partners, three sauces as a group, a simple tomato basil, a gorgonzola cream with toasted walnuts, and a butter and cinnamon sugar with parmigiano cheese that came with a story about its origins in a famous Italian-Jewish community. We cooked off the gnocchi pretty continuously for about an hour and got to sit and enjoy our pasta together at our big table. Each dish, a new way to look at this food, and a new way to consider how to bring the tradition of Gnocchi Thursdays into our own lives. For next time, I need to work on my timing, which got away from me and the class ran long, and I'm going to introduce some intentional conversation questions so that the group can get to know each other better throughout the night. They did a really great job sparking up conversation, we talked about our favorite meals, the best things we've ever eaten, our favorite celebrity chefs, and I want to make sure I can avoid any unnecessary awkward moments at the beginning of class in the future. I'll be teaching Make Gnocchi Like an Italian Grandmother again this Thursday, and then two Thursdays from now, both at the River North Workshop. If you're in Denver, I would love for you to join me, and or email me, and let's talk about doing a private class for your friends, colleagues, family, or an event you're hosting. This week was also marked by one main thread, a series of entrepreneurial conversations around Denver. I find that, speaking of threads, I usually have a question of the week. Not like a getting-to-know-you question, more like a problem I'm trying to solve, And I bring it up with everyone that I talk to, be it my roommates, my classmates, or the barista that I just met for the first time. This week, it was the question of, how am I going to expand this bakery? Like, physically bake more bread, or get more bread into the community. Those turn out to actually be two different things. I'm still in the middle of thinking about all of this, and I want a few more days to sit on it before I share. So next week, we'll talk about what happens when I get a big idea, because it's an experience, and maybe if I've made any progress on the ideas from this week. Happy Sunday, have a great week, and I'll talk to you soon. (laughs) This track was The Stone Three by Kilobot on Free Music Archive.